always just a highlight of the week, highlight of my week, uh, just to come and just to spend this little time together. Um, you know, me standing up here and sharing a few words, that's not so much a highlight, but the time that we spend together, uh, the time that we spend sharing and uh, uh, remembering our Lord together and just studying together, uh, that just means a lot to me. And so I just want you all to know that. Uh, man, to Daniel and the praise team, y'all did a masterful job this morning, uh, really uh, singing about grace this morning. I always uh, like the song, uh, you know, Daniel dug up some old favorites. Uh, the one that talks about his grace uh, reaches me. And, uh, man, every time we sing that, I just uh, have to think about how, you know, uh, me being way down here uh, in my life, uh, man, I, I've, I've done some things in my life and been in some places in my life that were not good. Uh, but his grace reaches even me, and so I am really, really thankful for that. So thank you, praise team. We appreciate you greatly for the work that you do and the work that you put in. Um, my original uh, assignment was to not talk very long this morning because there was going to be a town hall meeting, and so I uh, came prepared. You see, I've only got a couple of sheets of paper here, and uh, so, you know, I don't intend to take up a lot of your time. You know, speaking short is really not hard for me. I don't, I don't have a whole lot to say, generally speaking, so that's not really a very, uh, that's not a hard task for me. So uh, just know that if it's exceptionally short, it's because I was told, hey, you need to be short because we need to have time for the town hall meeting. And so that's really how that came about. Uh, we are entering, I guess, into uh, my understanding, I guess it would be part three of this series uh, of lessons that we have been uh, kind of embarking on, uh, the greatest commandment. And of course, that uh, takes this uh, it takes its title from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through verse 31. And, of course, last month, uh, you know, we had our brothers that stood up before us and talked about loving God. And uh, really, the brothers did a really, really good job, and I appreciate you greatly for your studies and for what you put into that. Well, now we're going to go into uh, the, the next and final part of this series, which is uh, loving God our neighbor, loving one another. And so I'm going to kind of kick that off this morning, and we certainly are praying that God would work in us and through us to love one another greater, to love one another more, to love one another better. Uh, before I begin this morning, let's pray together, though. Father God, we come in Jesus' name, and we're so thankful, Lord God, for this morning, for our time together and worship and praise, dear God, and now, Father God, we're going to take some time to look into your word, Father, and just to talk about it, Father. And Lord God, I'm hardly sufficient, dear Father, to uh, talk about this uh, very important and uh, very lofty subject of how we are to love one another. But Father, really just ask that you would use me this morning and work in me and guide me, Father. We just pray, Father, that the studies throughout this month, dear Lord, would help us, dear God, and move us, Father, toward a greater love toward one another, Father. We thank you, Father, for this time together, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
If I were to ask you this morning, who is uh, Carl Elsner? Hmm. I'm sure that uh, most, uh, as I can see, uh, shrug your shoulders, and, and most of us have no idea at all who he is. But it was in uh, 1884 uh, in the town of Eibach, Switzerland, that Carl Elsner invented the Swiss Army knife. Now, you think about that, once again, okay, <laughs> that may not seem like a very big deal to any of us, but Carl's invention, it gave soldiers a small, lightweight tool that could be used on the battlefield to open a can of rations. It could be used to disassemble, clean, and reassemble his rifle. And even if necessary, it could even be a weapon in cases of hand-to-hand -hand combat. Now, this was a, a, a novel idea, and it continues to be a novel idea, to develop one thing that can accomplish many things, uh, one item, one invention that fulfills many purposes. But you know, while Carl Elsner's pocket knife that could be used for several purposes was a convenient little invention, it really pales in comparison to what Jesus has done because Jesus set forth one commandment that would cover some 613 laws. Now, 613, that's said to be the number of laws and commandments found in the Old Testament. You know, and if we've read it and you studied it and you looked through it, then you'll know that there are rules and commandments to cover just about every aspect of life. From worship to diet, there were laws that uh, involved legal matters, laws about moral issues, laws about medical issues, financial matters, social issues, and then some of everything in between is covered in those 613 laws, rules, and commandments. It could very well be said that you know, that's a lot of laws to be responsible for. And uh, certainly it would be difficult for anyone to keep all of those various laws, rules, and commandments. Well, the fact of the matter is that the children of Israel who lived and worshipped under that system, uh, they didn't keep them. Uh, as a matter of fact, as a nation, they failed miserably in keeping God's law. And the truth is that if we lived under that system today, with all of those commandments, we would fail miserably as well. James says in James chapter 2 and verse 10, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. In other words, if I break just one out of the 613 various laws, rules, and commandments, I would essentially become a lawbreaker, or a term that we often use sometimes, I would become an outlaw. So if there's all of these commandments, 613 of them, and there's no way that I can even remember them all, let alone obey every one of them, then what am I going to do? What's the answer? Where does that leave us? Well, enter Jesus Christ with an answer to this dilemma, in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, don't think 
that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but I came to fulfill them. In other words, I believe Jesus is telling us that he's going to give us something. He's going to tell us something. He's going to share with us something that fulfills and complies with every element of the law, and he's going to do it in a very marvelous way, a way that only God himself could satisfy the demands of his own law. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, so Jesus says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, he said, for this is the law and the prophets. Man, that's something right there. This is the law and the prophets. Now, this is simple, yet we need to understand that this was revolutionary. Uh, Jesus says that this one golden rule, as we often refer it uh, as, is the fulfillment. It is the sum and substance of all the law and the prophets. Now, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, we find a parallel passage to Mark chapter 12, 28 through 31, which has been the basis of our series that we've been talking about. And it's the same golden rule that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7, but it's expressed in another way. Because there, Jesus says very simply, love God with all of your being and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he said, on these two commandments, all of the law and the prophets are upheld. Now, once again, revolutionary, revolutionary. The focus of last month's lessons was, how do we love God with all of our being? Well, we need to understand that our relationship with God extends outward as well to our fellow man. In other words, We don't have just this vertical relationship where I can worship God, I can praise him, I can be filled with adoration towards him, and then that's it. That's the sum and substance of it. No, but it's also a horizontal relationship that extends out to my fellow man as well. It all goes together. It's a horizontal relationship as well. Matter of fact, John said it this way. He said, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. He must also love his brother. So, beloved, when we fulfill, we fulfill God's law when we love one another. In other words, every rule, every commandment, every precept, finds its fulfillment in love. It finds its fulfillment in love. And that's amazing because, you know, basically it takes the 613 and it wraps them up into a neat little package and gives us one commandment. Love fulfills the law. I like the way the Apostle Paul puts it in Colossians chapter 3, where he says there in verses 12 through 14, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. He said, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, 
Notice he says, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. All of these godly attributes find their fulfillment in one word, in loving one another. Uh, here, the Apostle Paul, he tells us that we ought to forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven us, that we ought to have kind and compassionate hearts. He tells us all of these amazing attributes, and all of them come together, Paul says, in love. He says, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Once again, I think that's just an amazing concept that Everything God expects of us finds its fulfillment, is bound up in one word, in love, love for one another. Let me just finish up this morning by sharing just a few passages that will give us really kind of a practical illustration of this concept. First of all, in Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, Oh, no one anything except to love each other. He said, For the, uh, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. There it is again. He says, the one who has loved his brother, loves one another, he has fulfilled the law. He goes on to say, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment, he says, are summed up in this one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Paul says in this uh, passage here, in the context of this passage, he says that we are to owe no one anything but to love one another. In other words, I think the context he's talking about, uh, because just before that, he says, you know, we want to render honor to whom honor is due. We want to give respect to those whom respect is due, and so forth. We don't withhold respect from one another. You know, and beloved, I think the lesson that Paul is sharing with us here is that, you know what, we all want to be respected. And uh, in the same way that we want to be respected, Paul says, you know, respect others. Give others the respect that they're due. You know, and I just want to, you know, one of these things, this is one of my kind of a pet peeve for me, because so oftentimes I think, you know, you hear people talk about, you know, uh, you got to earn respect. Well, no, I don't believe that's the truth. I think that, that every human being deserves to be respected. Every human being should be respected. That's, that's, that's really, that's, that's uh, now, I do believe that you can lose respect by your actions and by the way you treat people or by the things that you say. Uh, respect can be lost, but every human being, just because they are a creature of God, they deserve to be respected. And so Paul says, give respect to whom respect is due. Give honor to whom honor is due. You know, whether you agree with a politician or not, because he holds the position or because he holds the office, give him the honor to whom he's due. The judge who sits on the bench, give him the honor that he's due because of who he is. It doesn't mean you agree with everything that he says. It doesn't mean that he's a perfect individual, but you give honor to whom honor is due. Uh, Paul says, owe nobody anything. In other words, once again, I think we can draw out of that that we are to pay our debts. If you owe a debt, then pay it. Uh, don't duck and dodge people. Don't not answer the phone. Uh, don't uh, lie. If you owe somebody, 
he says, pay your debts. And if you don't want somebody treating you that way, then don't do it to someone else. You know, I mean, if, if, if somebody owes me something, I mean, don't get me wrong, I can be forgiving and say, don't worry about it. Or I can say, okay, I can be gracious and say, well, just give it to me when you've got it. But don't duck and dodge and lie and, and cheat and all that stuff and act like it's not the case. Paul says, pay your debts. Don't owe anybody anything, he says, but love. If you don't want somebody treating you that way, don't treat them that way. That's not love. Loving my neighbor means that, you know, I'm not going to steal what belongs to him. Uh, I'm not going to disrespect my neighbor's wife. I won't do him harm, but I'm going to act in his best interest. And then Paul adds, if there's any other commandment that relates to my relationship with my fellow man, Paul said it is fulfilled by this one commandment. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Galatians chapter 5, 13 and 14, Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Seeing that Jesus' sacrifice freed us from this law, from this 613 uh, law monster, so to speak, now, I don't, shouldn't refer to it as a monster because God did give it. But Paul says, don't use that freedom as an excuse to live a worldly and immoral life. He says, but use that freedom that has been bought and paid for us by Jesus Christ as an opportunity to serve one another in love. He gives us a real good example of that, of one way that happens over in the next chapter. In chapter 6, verse 2, Paul goes on to say, bear one another's burdens he says, and once again, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It simply means that we help each other, right? That's what it is. When we talk about bearing one another's burdens, that means that we're going to help each other carry our heavy loads. We help each other with our problems, with our struggles, with our sin issues. And when we do that, Paul says we fulfill the law of Jesus Christ. In James chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, James says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. In other words, James says that law, I mean, excuse me, love is impartial. Love is impartial. Love strips away all the external trappings and loves people for who they are. Loves people because they are God's creation, because God loves them. God loves us. He loves me. He loves you. And therefore, we should love one another. Love doesn't see skin color. It doesn't see the size of the bank account. Love doesn't view social status or national origin but we love one another according to Jesus' royal law. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I think if we look at the story of the Good Samaritan, I believe we see a perfect example of that. You know, another passage where Jesus is just laying out this royal law for us. You know, the, the, you know, the, the man was laying there and he's 
He's hurt, he's beaten, he's battered, he's bruised. He obviously needs help. His own countrymen just walked by on the other side. But the Samaritan doesn't pay attention to where he's from, what his origin is, or any of that. But he helps him because he needs it. Beloved, that's the royal law in action. Thinking back to Carl Elsner's Swiss Army night, think about a soldier going out to battle. We could send him out there with a rifle to fight the enemy, a toolkit to disassemble and clean his rifle. We could send him out there with a can opener to open his rations, a knife and fork to eat them with, a plate, towels and things to clean up, and any number of other items that might be useful. But at some point, he's going to get weighed down with so much stuff that he's pretty much going to be rendered ineffective out there on the battlefield. And so isn't it better that he goes out with one pocket-sized instrument than a that can accomplish several functions? And in much the same way, Beloved, we can get weighed down and overburdened with hundreds of laws and rules and commandments. We can get weighed down by a whole lot of doctrinal issues, a lot of religious arguments, a lot of questions about Scripture and where did, uh, uh, where did Cain's wife come from and all of that type of thing, all kind of religious minutiae. But Jesus gave us the Swiss Army knife of commandments when he said, love your neighbor as yourself, because love is the fulfillment of the law. And when we carry out this one commandment and live our lives by it, we'll do well, as James said, and God was going to be glorified in us. Amen.